All right. Good morning. Good to see you. We've got people still going to be coming in, and we uh, welcome them if they come to your row. Take your celebration guide, just a few things. Again, we're trying to get everybody used to reading details for themselves as we just point out a few things for you. First of all, if you're a guest, your first, maybe second time, please fill out the registration, rip it off, drop it in the offering plate. And all we do with that is just we send you a letter thanking you for coming. We're all going to be showing up at your doorstep. So if you do that, we'd appreciate it very much. And then, of course, I'm just going to point them out and ask you to read the details uh, about the upcoming Christmas services, our membership class. We call it ownership. Uh, that When that's going to be different time of day on that Sunday. Um, and so I think we had about 30 people signed up for that before. So um, anyway, that, we'll be doing that. On the very back, uh, our sports ministry, basketball, will be starting. Get the details there. And this week is a woman's heart. All right, we have a very special uh, morning for you. Um, we have uh, asked Rich and Wendy Crawford, who led our weekend marriage conference from Focus on the Family, to come and stay with us and, and speak today because I knew that probably most of you wouldn't get the opportunity. So we're going to um, have them come and share some thoughts with us. Um, you're going to enjoy it, I promise you that. All right? So we'll introduce them in just a little bit. But right now, stand and welcome somebody around you that you don't know to church. <laughs>
Lord is our what? Our what? Our strength. <laughs> listen to the world, I could listen to my problems, what I think I need to hear, nice and loud and crystal clear, it's about the one who's gonna solve it, oh, I need something that can fill my soul, oh, on a record or a radio, ain't nothing like a gospel song. Testify, I was dead and brought to life by the power of my Savior. But if I'm being real with you, sometimes I forget it's true. I could use a reminder. Oh, I need something that can fill my soul. you give us such wonderful music with praise in it, Jesus, with, with worship in it, with happiness, Father, that we can fill our souls with this morning. And Lord, it is all about having joy in our soul because that is the strength of who we are in Jesus Christ. Having the joy of the Lord keeps us moving forward every week, day after day. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for this time of giving. And we pray, Father, that you would bless it in your precious holy name.
pretty powerful, isn't it, church? Let's stand this morning. The world says we're broken, but we are not broken, amen, in Jesus Christ. With the righteousness of God through Jesus. And I'm going to claim that this morning for those who are still struggling. I've got family members that are struggling. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there's peace within your presence. I speak Jesus.
needed no way. Only Jesus. I couldn't live without him. Don't know what I did when I didn't have Jesus. There was a day. But I need him every moment, every day.
God, we are in so need and so desperate of you in our lives. Father, we may not even realize it half the time, but you are the air that we breathe and we, Father, need you. Father, this morning as our speakers come and as our, just share your word and God, I pray that we would listen to everything. God, that you would use them. God, that you would open our eyes and our hearts and Father, that you would speak to the places that we need to be spoken to this morning. We pray that you would use this time for your kingdom and for your glory. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. If we were like WWE, I'd say, and now from parts unknown, but we know. Rich and Wendy Crawford, if you'll come on up. They're from the Atlanta, Georgia area. Alpharetta. And we had a great conference with them this weekend. And they're just going to kind of capsule some of the things that, that we learned. And um, so, again, give them, a, give them a welcome. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you. Well, I would start by saying thank you, you uh, Pastor Lloyd and Steve. Um, Glenn, you guys have been super hospitable to us. So super great host. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. It's been such a great weekend to be here. It is. It's been really fun. So uh, we're going to introduce. I'm excited to get to know you guys a little bit and to give you an opportunity to get to know us some. So um, we live in Atlanta, yeah, right in the middle of a lot of traffic. Gosh. So this has been so nice. Oh, it's so nice here. Um, <laughs> And uh, we have three kids. Our oldest is a freshman in college. His name is Edson, E-D-S-O-N. True story. Can't make this up. His great-great-great-grandmother was Annie Edson Taylor. 1901 was the first person to ever go over Niagara Falls in a barrel and live. Yep, that's right. I can't, can't make that stuff up. I can't make well, it we up. we named him after. I could make it up, but I'm not. Um, and then we have our uh, middle child, Abigail, and she is our theater girl, and we're walking through auditions for something right now, so that's fun. And then Mary Grace, our youngest, we refer to her as the marriage builder, because that's what she did for us a lot. She um, sanctified us. And uh, so we, we are so excited to get to be with you guys. Wendy, why don't you yeah. tell a little bit about who you are? Yeah, I'm Wendy. Um, I actually, my parents are from the Tampa area, and I grew up just south of there in Bradenton. So being here this weekend has kind of felt a lot like home. Like how it's just, I love this town. I've fallen in love with it, and it feels like home to me. Um, so I am from Bradenton. Currently live in Atlanta. Um, I am a marriage therapist. I am not a pastor, so I, I really am feeling the verse this morning that God uses foolish tools in the hands of weak people to build his kingdom because I do not feel like I belong on this stage on a Sunday morning. Um, but I love my job as a marriage therapist and a counselor. I have a private practice in Atlanta, and I work with Focus on the Family, and I do marriage intensives for couples who are in crisis um, at different places around the country uh, for one week a month, I go, or four days a month, and, and lead those, and, and that is by far my favorite thing I do professionally, and in a little while I'll tell you, tell you why that is. Like, the Lord just shows up in a really cool way in, um, when there's broken people, as we know, because Jesus saves. Mm -hmm. So that is a little bit about me and what I do. I am not a licensed professional counselor. But I've been married to one for coming up on 25 years. <laughs> I've never won a fight, 
but I can clearly articulate what it feels like to lose. So I got that going for me. So it's really good. Um, I uh, work for a ministry called Young Life. I've been with them for 25 years, work with high school age folks. And I'm also, this is another little quirky thing, I am a part-time professional magician. So knowing <laughs> even though we're in church, I can't not be tempted to give you a little something. Would you all like to see a little something? Is that okay, okay in a Baptist church to do a magic trick? Yes. <laughs> all emails go to Lloyd if you would. I'm just kidding. Um, so I'm going to come down here. Now, I'm going to actually teach one of you guys how to do a, 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 a magic trick. So if you are interested in helping with that, all you need to do is simply raise your hand. That would be so great. Uh, would you like to help? You have a big smile. You don't mind? Okay, give this young lady a big round of applause. Bring her up here. And give me your name. What's your name? Abigail, that's my daughter's name. Come on up. Come on up, Abigail. Are you in high school, Abigail? You're in seventh grade. Wow, you are super tall. That's awesome. You're tall. Yeah. What what seventh grader doesn't want to be pulled up in front of a large group of people, right? You are loving this, aren't you, Abigail? (laughs) Abigail, can you sit right here for me? That is so great. And Abigail, we're going to teach you how to do a magic trick, okay? So... This is going to be a, do you know what this is? <laughs> Toilet paper, that's right. That's very good, Abigail. You're, you're doing great. You're doing great. So I'm going to just borrow this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess up your notes, I promise, <laughs> Wendy. And um, this is going to be a do-as-I-do magic trick, okay? Are you good with this? So all I'm going to do is I'm just going to take a little bit of this toilet paper, and I'm going to hand that to you. And I'm going to do the same thing. That's a do-as-I-do part. And all I want you to do is just take it and roll it into a small ball, just like so. You good? Did you see it disappear? Yeah. You are so kind. It didn't disappear, <laughs> Abigail. It's right in my hand. But you want me to succeed, and I love That's that about that. you, Abigail. <laughs> so sweet. So, Abigail, all I want you to do is just take it, roll it in a small ball, and then I want you to take it with one hand, put it in your hand, and then rub it like so. Did you see it disappear? No? Okay, we'll try it again, Abigail. Here we go. You're doing great. Just roll it in a small ball. Let me know. Is Did you see it disappear that time? No. You're, you're doing great. Okay. So, Abigail, just take it. I want you to take it, set it in your hand, rub it like so. Did you see it go? No? It's gone. It is gone. We're going to make it easier for you, Abigail. I promise. How you doing? You good? You're never going to come back to church again, are you, Abigail? I'm just kidding. I love that about you. Very good. So did you see it disappear that time? No. No, visually you can see it, right, Abigail? So same thing. Just take it, put it in your hand. Did you see it disappear that time? Yes. You have no idea where it is, do you, Abigail? No. No. Abigail, give her a big round of applause. (laughs) Huh? I don't know. It disappeared. That's so weird. Abigail. (laughs) (laughs) So, gosh, gosh, I hope I could get that out of her sight, because if no one told her, it'd be the greatest magic trick she ever saw, wouldn't it? (laughs) It's funny, but it's also something that I wanted to use as a springboard for what we want to talk about this morning. The reality is, Abigail, 
had a different perspective sitting in that chair than you did sitting in the audience. And because of that, you saw something that Abigail didn't. And Abigail couldn't see something because of her perspective. Right? So one of the core verses in Scripture, someone asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? I don't feel like I'm necessarily the brightest person all the time, but I would think a pretext of a question of what is the greatest commandment is probably something I should pay attention to. (laughs) And the response from Jesus is printed in your bulletin there, is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. He says, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. We spent almost six hours uh-huh. in this, and I'm so glad Pastor Lloyd has given us the full six with you guys this morning. Yeah. <laughs> six hours talking about marriage yeah. the last couple days, and um, it really is an amazing, complexly simple thing that I think we have to focus on yeah. in marriage, and we're going to talk a lot about that, but it really boils down to this, because if we're not loving the Lord our God with all of our hearts, souls, and minds, and we're not seeing ourselves the way God sees us from his perspective, then we have no, nothing to bring to the table to a spouse or any relationships for that matter. And so, Wendy, yeah. why don't you launch yeah. into a little more I, there? I would say, too, that we are talking about marriage because that's what we've been doing this weekend, but... That verse certainly applies to anybody who is your neighbor, correct? So even if you're not married, these, these things we're going to talk about do apply to all of us because uh, we're called to love the Lord, love others, and love ourselves. Um, so, yeah, what that verse does not say, um, it does not say love your spouse first with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It does not say that. Thank um, goodness. Yeah, it says love the Lord first. When we put the Lord in his rightful place, when we put God on the throne, then everything else flows from that. And sometimes we get that wrong in marriage. Um, See, we have God's perspective on marriage, what we want to talk about this morning, and we have what our perspective may be. As humans living in a fallen world, uh, we all come into uh, the world and adulthood with ideas of what marriage is, right? Um, that's our perspective. And sadly, a lot of the culture, the media, the music, uh, the books we read kind of tell us what marriage is and isn't, or what love even is and isn't in a relationship. And sadly, much of that information from the culture is backwards, and it gives us the wrong information. And so, we do have a few little um, illustrations. Yeah, illustrations of what the world has taught all of us about love, right? Our perspective is not necessarily God's. And so we want to kind of talk about that and what we've all learned about marriage from the culture. And so, 
Yeah, maybe you've heard these, these phrases or signs. You want to start us out? Sure I do. <laughs> if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. Right. You know this. You know it. <laughs> That's right. Something similar to that is happy wife, happy life. Now, is that not just a crushing burden to the poor men out there, right? <laughs> like, or the wives. Well, or the wives. <laughs> but if, if you can't keep your wife happy then you're, you cannot be happy. Your life is going to be miserable and lacking in joy. Um, that is just a terrible message, right? But we hear it and we say it all the time. Um, so yeah, what's another one? We've got uh, basically, for those of you who are kind of in the Gen X category, like we are, the great movie, Jerry Maguire, uh, you complete me, right? Like we've heard that line, ick. That's ah, not codependent at all. Right. Like, I love this man. I do. I love him. We've been together a long time, but he does not complete me, right? The Lord does. Jesus completes me. Thank goodness. I mean, that would be a crushing burden for Rich if I put him in that spot to complete me and make me whole. So, yeah, another line. Oh, oh, oh we're going we're gonna to offend someone, I'm sure. <laughs> Romeo, save me. I've been... Feeling so alone. Or all you T Swift, right all you there. Swifties Taylor out there. Swift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, thank goodness. I don't look to Rich to save me. I look to Jesus, right? But the message is, you meet somebody, you fall in love. Oh, and you're saved. You're saved from a life of misery. You're saved from a life of hardship. You're saved from ever feeling unloved or unwanted. Again, and that is just a lie from the enemy. Um, yeah, another one. What this, generation is this? This one is uh, from a little older generation than we are, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Anybody seen that movie? That's an older movie. Yeah. Uh, this might be the worst of them all. People do fall in love. People do belong to each other because that's the only chance that anyone's got for true happiness. Ugh. <laughs> that is so sad. That is so sad. That is so lacking in Jesus, right? Um, another one from 50 First Dates, a movie, a little bit older movie, but for the younger generation. Uh, being with you is the only way I could have a full and happy life. Again, all these slogans, signs we've heard, they're from the culture. And they teach us, and they teach our young people especially, what marriage is designed to do. And it sets us up for a situation that when I finally get married, I finally kind of find the person I love and I'm ready to get married to him, I look over and think, oh, thank goodness, I will never feel unloved or alone or unimportant or insignificant again. I have my person. And then you get married, and you're married a little bit of time, and pretty soon you learn that that is absolutely not true. And it leads to disillusionment and despair and hopelessness and looking over at the person and thinking, I made a wrong choice. This is not who I should have married. Um, and so that's kind of the, the world's perspective. It's like, finally, I got married. I never have to feel bad again. Um, yeah, this person is going to meet all my emotional needs. And I have this basket I carry around of, like, hopes, dreams, expectations, and even some disappointments. And I carry that around. And when I get married, it's like I hand it over to Rich or my husband and say, finally, you deal with that. You make sure all my hopes, all my dreams, all my expectations are met. 
And we all know that Jesus is the only one who can meet those things, who can fill that in my heart. Um, but, but sadly, that is what the world teaches. And when we have these expectations of our spouse, when we have this perspective in, on marriage, that my spouse is going to complete me, that he's going to be my everything, that expectation is a down payment on tomorrow's resentments, guaranteed. It is. We are going to be resentful and bitter and angry. And you know where all that bitterness and anger is going to go? To him. And he's going to feel it. And then I become like that woman in Proverbs, you know, better is it to live on a corner of a roof than inside a house with a quarrelsome wife. Ick, I don't want to be that woman. And so to not be that woman, I've got to have my expectations and my hopes and dreams in the right place, in the right basket, and that basket belongs to Jesus, right? Yeah. You got anything else for us, Rich, on that? Those are some solid, solid good words. I mean, once again, just going back, thinking about what has shaped your perspective of God, what shaped your perspective of your marriage, what shaped your perspective of yourself. If you could uh, imagine standing in a mirror and not seeing the physical reflection, but what if you saw the internal reflection? I don't know about you. I'll be the first to admit that I probably would be a little disgusted with the internal perspective. But the good news is Jesus sees us wither than snow, Scripture says. And when we can see ourselves the way that God sees us, we are free. We are free indeed. And we can love and we can be loved and we can engage in a healthy marriage the way that God has designed. We can engage our own hearts and see ourselves and live out of the truth of who Jesus designed us to be. Yeah, this kind of this idea of if I interpret that verse of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if I, if I twist that verse, is, is so, I see so many people do um, in my work as a marriage therapist. I see women and men come into my office or at marriage intensives, and they really do have this view that I love my spouse with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they should love me with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're not saying you shouldn't love your spouse. Of course we should. But when our spouse is on the throne and not Jesus, it sets us up for disappointment. And there's, no, there's a great uh, picture of this that I saw once at a marriage intensive with this uh, lady. And it was an older couple. And her husband had had an affair years ago, maybe 15 years ago. And they ended up at this intensive because she was still just sitting in a pile of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. The husband had done a lot of work on his heart. He had received grace and forgiveness from Jesus and repented, was remorseful, had a, a broken and contrite heart. But this poor lady was so broken and so hurt and had just replayed in her mind this affair for the last 15 years. And she came into the intensive, and as we taught, the proper view of marriage, where God is on the throne, we get our needs met from the Lord first. We go vertical for care, forgiveness, love from the Lord, and healing from the Lord. Come, healing comes from the Lord, not my spouse. 
and she had it backwards. She was going to her spouse for healing. She really believed in her heart that he broke her heart and it was his job to fix it. Hmm. And she was stuck there. And she kept chasing him around with the question of why did you do this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Because really what she was looking for was the, she knew the answer in her heart. She was believing she was not good enough. And she wanted her husband to finally tell her all the ways she was not good enough so she could make sure she was good enough so he would never do this again to her. And she was trying to get that from her husband, that healing from her husband. And he could never give that to her. And he could not fix her broken heart even though he caused it because that's not his job. And we get that wrong in relationships. We think, if he breaks my heart, then he's got to do something to fix it. And sadly, my spouse or no other human being is designed to heal a broken heart because we don't, we're not designed to have a broken heart. We're designed for heaven where there is no brokenness. Mm. We live in a fallen world now where sin has run, a, run amok and we are covered with it and we are all broken and we are all sinners. And so the only one who can heal a hurting heart is the Lord. That's the only one. And this woman was so stuck and she was so angry because we kept telling her, he can't fix it. He can't fix it. And the more we told her that, the angrier she got, the more bitter she got, the more resentful she got. And we just kept saying, you've got to go to the Lord. The Lord is the only one who can fix your heart. And she had this amazing encounter with Jesus one evening at the intensive. And the next morning she came back and her countenance was glowing. Visibly, she looked 10 years younger. She had let go of the bitterness and resentment, and we were like, what happened to you? And she said she got on her knees in the bathroom that night, and she asked the Lord to take her burdens and to heal her broken heart, and she finally got it. She got it that her husband couldn't fix it, hmm. that the Lord, that Jesus was the only one that could heal her heart, and he accepted that. She accepted that healing from the Lord, and she received grace and, and and the Lord replaced a heart of stone with a heart of joy again and she was restored um, and it feels so unfair to say that when my spouse hurts me when my spouse does something that this betrays me or deceives me or I do something that betrays or deceives him and is so devastating it feels unfair that they can't fix it especially for the person who's been offended. And I want to be sensitive to those people because it is devastating. Uh, but how sweet of the Lord that he designed it that way, that the healing and restoration of my heart is not contingent on this fallen sinner, but that the healing and restoration of my heart comes from the Lord. And so I get to always be okay. I mm. can always have peace. I can always have joy if I look to my creator and my sustainer. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's kind of the perspective on marriage we, we're wanting you to have. Do um, you have anything else before I move on to our other scripture? You're crushing it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, another perspective from the Lord that we want to look at. Look at. I did not bring my Bible because there was not enough room in my suitcase. So I'm reading my uh, Bible from my phone. I'm here not, comes the email. I'm not checking my text messages <laughs> or social media. I promise. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so we want to look at another verse. Yeah, we've looked at love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and we want to look at now another perspective about marriage that comes from the Lord from Genesis. Genesis 2, verse 18 through 24. 
Um, and I'm just going to read some of the passage, if you follow along, if you have your Bibles. Um, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And then we'll jump down to 24, verse 24. That is why a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. So yeah, that is another perspective we want to give on marriage. It's why the Lord made marriage, right? Why did he create it? Why did he create us to get married? Well, he tells us in Genesis that there was no suitable helper for Adam. And he created woman out of man to be a helper. And um, I see, I think all of us have sometimes seen that word helper be twisted. And people interpret that in a way that's not biblical. Um, you know, they see it as women are subservient or not as important as men or not as valuable as men. And that is just not what scripture tells us because we know the Hebrew for the word helper is azer. Um, and azer means helper in Hebrew. And the word azer is used over 16 times in scripture to refer to the Lord as our helper. That message of helper, that we are a helpmate, that we are a helper and a supporter of our spouses as wives. The Lord would never refer to himself as subservient or less than anything. And so nor are we, ladies. We are valuable. We have worth and we have a role in our marriages. And so I just, I think that's important to say um, as, as we look at God's perspective on marriage. Um, also, when we jump down to verse 24, it says... Uh, the, the husband and wife will be as one, right? They will have unity. They'll be as one. There's oneness in marriage, unity in marriage. And when we talk about unity and oneness, we don't mean sameness. And if you were here this, the last couple days, we talked a lot about this, that we get married and sometimes we think that the two become one means I really don't exist anymore and neither does rich, that we could become this new thing. Right, and that's not biblical. Like, if you think of oneness in unity in the Bible, the Bible talks about the Trinity being in unity and, and operating as one, a three in one. Uh, and if you think about the Trinity and compared to the marriage model, a husband and wife, husband, wife, and the Lord, there's three entities, there's a Trinity there as well. And marriage models the Trinity in that. In the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three different entities, all very important, very valuable. All entities have their callings, job descriptions. They're different, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They have different things they do in the world, but they are valuable and important, all of them. And in that, the, whole, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always operate in unity together as one. And, and in marriage, what we want is we want to recognize that rich is an individual created by God and for God. He has gifts and talents and value and worth because God says so, just as I do. I am created for the Lord. I am created for good works in the Lord that God created me to do. And when we get married, that does not stop. 
Right, it doesn't stop. We just join together and we journey together in this life as a ministry, now bringing light to the world, operating in oneness and unity with different gifts. We both have different gifts, different callings. And if we're unified, we can bring Jesus to the world in our marriage and through our marriages. And that's what we would want for you guys. Um, and it's important to note, when I, when I, sometimes I see with couples, you know, a wife will get stuck on, he's not a good leader, he's not a good spiritual leader, how do I make my husband a better spiritual leader? Or I'll hear the husband say, she won't submit, she's not submissive at all, she's, she's trying to run the whole house. <laughs> and I try to help them understand, my job as the wife is to follow scripture and do what it says. That's my job. Submission is in my yard, I will say. And that's, that's my job, my lane. I always liked uh, Greg, your old boss, who would say, you know, people, the husband come and says, well, it says right here in Scripture, you have to submit. And he would look at him and go, that isn't written to you. That's written to your wife. Right. Let, let's look and see what it says for you. You're to love your wife like the church. That's right. And he died. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, and when we stand before the Lord in, in heaven one day, the Lord is not going to look at me and say, Wendy, why didn't you get rich to be a better spiritual leader? He's just not ever going to do that. He's going to say, Wendy, how did you do with what I commanded you to do? And it's really important as husbands and wives we remember that, that I don't need to be focused on what my spouse is doing or not doing. I have enough work to do here in my own sin and my own brokenness and my own need for Jesus every second of every day. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that's important to recognize, uh, that unity is three, right? The, the three, the trinity of kind of the husband, the wife, and the Lord in this covenant marriage wanting to operate in unity much like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, and that's, that's kind of what, what marriage is. Yeah. Um, so that is another perspective on marriage from Genesis. Uh, but the crux of it is we want to love the Lord first with all our whole heart, soul, and mind. That is the greatest commandment. That is our job. Loving others comes after that, but also loving ourselves. As we love ourselves, we are to love our neighbors, our spouse. And so even loving ourselves means focusing on what my job is as a wife and Rich focusing on what his job is as a husband. So often we look over and we're so concerned with what our spouse is doing or not doing, we are not focused on ourselves. And I find if I can get couples and get individuals to focus on them, things start to go a lot better. They become a lot safer for each other emotionally and um, they're not trying to manage each other quite so much. Um, but yeah, I guess I'll, I'll share. Do you have anything else before we kind of share final story? You're crushing it and you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I'm kind of having fun up here. Uh, yeah, so when we talk about loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, it, it makes me think of a story mm. um, and love others as, as yourself that um, to do that, to love the Lord and love others, it does require us to be in relationship with him, which, as you guys know, re requires us to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to do that. And I had an intensive recently, which was an amazing intensive. Um, the Lord just shows up in such neat ways with his people when they're broken. And ju just so everyone knows, the intensive, these are five days of couples coming in, sometimes pretty pretty wounded. Broken. 
mm-hmm. um, and they're in a group setting with about a dozen, is that right? Ten people. Ten people and two therapists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just buckle up. That's a yeah, lot. It's, that's a, it's an intense situation. <laughs> but people do come in really broken, kind of hopeless at the end of their rope. This is the last-ditch effort usually to save their marriage. Most people that come to these, because they're through Focus on the Family, are Christians, but not all. And this one individual, this one that I'm thinking of and talking about, this couple, the wife was a believer, a new believer, and he was not. He was an atheist. He was very intellectual. Um, he had studied all kinds of different world religions, and he just decided none of them really worked for him. And it had been found out in the last you know, few months that he'd been having an affair, and his wife filed for divorce. Um, and she decided that she would try this intensive as one last-ditch chance to save the marriage in hopes, too, that his heart might be changed um, spiritually. And we talked about forgiveness and the infidelity, and he was so broken. He was really broken with what he had done. He was ashamed. He was feeling like such a failure. And she was willing to forgive him. Um, But when we taught him the concept of you've got to care for your own heart, you've got to forgive yourself, you've got to allow Jesus to forgive you and care for this brokenness that's inside of you because he was just wrecked with shame and guilt and condemnation and self-hatred. And so I told him that you're taking his heart to the Lord for healing, that, that Jesus could take that, that we're all equal at the foot of the cross and Jesus can take that shame from him um, and he can be seen by Jesus, by the Lord as righteous, right? He gets the righteousness of Christ uh, if he takes that shame to the cross and receives Jesus, and he just started crying and weeping, and he, he said to the group, he said, I'm not worthy. I do not feel worthy to do that at all. I am too shame-filled. I just, I, I've done too much. I'm not worthy of that. And he just started sobbing, and the group prayed for him and cared for him, and we, we ended for the evening, and that night, they had a, like a bonfire that evening where they all were sitting around talking, and at that bonfire, as everybody else was kind of talking and chatting, he said he looked into the fire and he saw Jesus and he heard Jesus say, come to me. And he said all of a sudden he just started sobbing there at the fire and he, he released and he asked Jesus to forgive him. And much like that lady I talked about earlier, the next morning when he came in, he was a different man. He was forgiven and whole and, and said he had had a life transforming experience because he allowed Jesus to take his shame. Um, So part of loving ourselves um, and loving the Lord is allowing us to let go of the shame and guilt that we carry and really receive Jesus and give it to him Um, because we truly are all equal at the cross. Nobody is worse than anybody there. Jesus sees us all as righteous and perfect and holy. So we're going to have Pastor Lloyd come up and give some well, just want to um, ask you to bow with me right now. We've, we, of course, have uh, been listening and dealing for now the third day. And I think that they really um, put together a great finale for us. What I would ask you to do right now is just in an attitude of prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed to ask you how do you feel this morning do you feel unloved do you feel unworthy 
as something maybe happened, maybe not as drastic as what Wendy just shared, but uh, problems in the marriage that just don't seem to want to go away. And you feel maybe like it's your fault. The question would be, have you been to the cross? Because that is the answer. It's uh, one of the things that I've learned this weekend uh, after 30 years of marriage for us is that I'm not supposed to fix my wife and she's not to fix me. And that I need to just stand before God and see what he's telling me to do. And I would ask you the same thing. Have you been to the cross for you? And as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, something that many said they had a hard time comprehending. But if you remember, I made this statement. If you are a Christian, you are as righteous as Jesus is righteous. And that's a hard concept but you are. I'm just going to pray, but I'd like to ask, could I, could I pray for you? Not, not by name, but just be able to pray and recognize you. Again, we, we won't ever embarrass you or come where you are, but do you need prayer this morning for yourself or your marriage? Would you just slip your hand up? and put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we come to you now and we always recognize that we don't know everything that our people are dealing with. We don't know the intensity or the facts, but you do. And one thing that we can stand before our people and say is, regardless, take it to the Lord Jesus Christ and let him heal you. So that's what I would ask those of you that raised your hand. Take it to the cross. Nancy, lead us just in that verse, course, one time. Let's stand together. Have a great Sunday afternoon. We love you. Look forward to seeing you back.